Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast, episode 219. Special one, because it is our first football preview of the 2021 season. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody, and welcome to week 0.5. 0.5, heading into week one. Games are Wednesday night for week one. I think there's one game Wednesday night. And then it really kicks off on Thursday. I'm actually excited about two games on Thursday, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit. One, uh, there are some common non-con opponents in the Big 12 playing each other. And then there's like, what is it, UCF Boise State? Uh, yes. Future, yes, that's, out the bat. that's out of the gate. Future Big 12 conference game. <laughs> a little uh, Big 12 conference preview. That's on ESPN. That's on the actual. That's like primetime. The Uno, not the Ocho. And then there's. Um, the Uno. Yeah, Long Island versus Florida International. That's the one you alluded to earlier, which is on ESPN3. So we can get a preview of West Virginia's non-con opponent and Texas Tech's, one of Texas Tech's non-con opponents. Yeah, man. I'm just, you can probably tell, I started the call with Michael like a minute early tonight. I'm excited. <laughs> it's football season. It's back. We, I watched actual conference football games this weekend. I watched Illinois, Nebraska. I was reacquainted with Burt Ball because oh, Brett Bielema is back. Was it, it's was it after the second? It's, it was yeah, the beginning of the quarter? second half, beginning of the third quarter. Illinois went on a 14 play, almost nine minute drive. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's Burt Bielema back at the helm, baby. Um, and they end up winning. They, they were, they were kind of a, an underdog going in that game, lost their starting quarterback. I was like, that's over. Bert, I know. I thought Bert that don't too. Care. I was, I was watching that. And I thought, gosh, where did, and I didn't keep up with, um, with the injury if he's able to come back or, or, or what, but, I thought, well, that's just, that's too bad. It's too bad for Illinois. It's too bad. Yeah, they came out, though. Got that dub. Anyways, we're talking about Texas Tech Houston tonight. Well, it was also great. Um, College football came back in so many ways with just that one game because of the very Big Ten scores that it held throughout the whole, almost the entire first half. Mm -hmm. Um, I know at one point, I think, ESPN gave the wrong team a touchdown. It was, it happened really quickly and then they just removed the bug altogether and then they fixed it when they came back. Cause I think it was a defensive touchdown that Illinois got. Um, so we got to see that. And then we also got to see just the complete meltdown of Husker fans online. Yeah. Ready for a new coach already. <laughs> week Not even zero. Week, week zero, like fire Scott Frost. 
Um, yeah, the first points of the college football season this year were from a safety. Oh, beautiful. Then, like, there was one point where it was like, it was like a nine to nine tie, and only like only one field goal, and those eighteen points, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Because after the safety, Nebraska scored, I believe, and they, missed yeah, the PAT, and they missed a PAT, and then and then they had the one field goal. It was a missed PAT and a field goal, where the other team had a safety and a touchdown get to that nine to nine uh, little league baseball playoff score. Anyways. Yeah. So Scott Frost is what he's on his, is he on his third season? Let me see. Just cause I'm curious about this he's, as head coach, Nebraska 2018 to present. So this is fourth year. Yeah. This is his fourth year. Okay. And so I he think, doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of last year being a year zero or something. No. I didn't know if this was his second year. And it probably didn't help that he was super successful at Central Florida and then came to his alma mater and they're like, where's the success from Florida, man? Did mm. you leave it down there? Anyways, we've got football to talk about. Texas Tech football. Yes. We're and, getting there. <laughs> yeah, no, no. We're, we're getting there now. Um, Texas Tech kicking off this weekend in Houston versus Houston NRG Stadium for the Texas kickoff. I believe they're calling it. Um, 6 p.m. Saturday on ESPN. Primetime ESPN. Look at that. Um, to keep up with our coverage, our coverage, wow, like like we're some kind of legit media outlet. To keep up with us and all of our happenings, Twitter, at 23Personnel, at Punts Suck for me, Spencer, and at Michael underscore LBK. The main thing, though, guys, is you need to follow us on Spotify Green Room. It's where we're going to be doing our post-game instant reaction podcasts. It is the live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. Talk to us, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, which is what we're going to be doing and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Michael, where it says that, what we're going to do, if you haven't been on Spotify Green Room, the host will start a room. There's basically a stage. Michael and I will be the speakers and we will welcome people up as they join us. If they want to give a juicy, spicy take from the game, they want to celebrate or commiserate with us, or they'll just get to listen to us from the room as we do our post-game shows live. So it's free, audio only social media platform for sports fans. We will be going live Saturday evenings after the games this Saturday. It will be like, oh, I don't know, 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, all you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app. It's free in the iOS and Google Android Play app stores. Create a profile, link to Twitter, and join the group. Follow me, Spencer Rogers, or Michael McDonald to be notified when our room goes live. Come with your spiciest takes. We welcome it. Come on board. Tell us what you're thinking. Tell us who should be fired, because I know I know there's going to be somebody going to tell us who's, who should be fired or who we should hire. Tell us why, uh, why Shuck should be benched after his first interception. Or... Yes. Um, why Cumbie's an idiot for not playing Mason Tharp more. We're all, we're all here for it, man. <laughs> Ladies too. Ladies are welcome. Uh, 
Of course. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into let's get into um, football. The game preview. We've got we've got so much to talk about tonight. And then I guess we're, we'll have Michael talk about the athletic Texas Tech athletics kickoff party. He went to that. Yeah, yeah. Just quick recap. Quick recap. Anyways, let's uh, let's get to some football. They go four up top. They throw the fade to Fasher. Caught. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Touchdown! With Tom delivered. Johnson, touchdown Red Raiders. Take a shot to the end zone. It's a touchdown to Reginald Davis. All day to throw. Over the top, Jakeem Grant. Touchdown, Texas Tech. Second down now. Deep strike. Got the big man. Country pulls free. And touchdown, Red Raiders. With a second to go. All right. So before we jump into the Houston preview, Michael, you went to the athletic kickoff party recap for us. I did. It was Thursday evening this past week, August 26th. And it was free. Basically you had to RSVP through the Red Raider club website. Just tell them who you were, who was coming with you. But it was completely free. No one asked for my name. No one checked anything at the door. Um, I had a very awkward <laughs> exchange with Cam Warren because he was greeting people at the gate. And I was walking up and I just thought, oh, well, maybe he's just here um, just as a guest. And then I realized, oh, no, he's actually here greeting people. And he had a polo on. And I just I felt like I needed him to know that I recognized him. And so I said, good to see you, young man, <laughs> in a really awkward way. And without a beat, he was like, good to see you, too. I thought, okay, well, thanks. Thanks, man, because he has no idea who I am. Yeah, <laughs> Not man. even close. Thanks, and I re- but I really appreciated just the, the acknowledgement of, of, yeah, I get this all the time. People act like they know me, and they kind of do. And so I just act like I know them, too. That was probably his philosophy on it. Anyway. Uh, Went in knowing that Hokut was going to speak. Coach Wells was going to speak. They spoke a combined three minutes, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, it was in the middle of some new 
news that we'll get to later where Hoka actually gave some great, <clears throat> excuse me, some great tidbits about a committee that he's working with, but he, he gave that to Don Williams in an interview, did not announce that to the crowd even. So I learned that later after I'd left. But so I don't know what I was expecting as far as that. Um, Ted Cruz was there for whatever reason. So Ted Cruz actually spoke at Samantha's commencement. Like when she was graduating, he was the commencement speaker. That was not uh, Ken Hans. So like Ken Hans is obviously, he speaks at everyone and gives the, you know, the same speech to everybody. And it's like, perfect. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good. There's a reason you don't need to change it anyways. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, he, he spoke, he, he spoke the longest out of everybody except maybe Gio just cause Gio was the MC. So by the time everybody spoke and basically all Cruz said was that Texas tech belongs in a power five conference. Um, and he mentioned being in, in Minneapolis when tech was there for the, Championship. Do you you notice I didn't add the extra a n in Minneapolis? Minneapolis, Minneapolis, Mini, Minneapolis. <laughs> um, I felt pretty proud of that. But I don't know. I just kind of went in thinking I'd learn something along those lines. I didn't. That was fine. It was totally worth going because I got to see the inside of the practice facility. It's fantastic if you haven't been in there. Uh, you know, full length football field turf, the imagery all around is great. It it just had a really good vibe. There were a lot of people, a lot of folks came, which I was really glad to see. And that makes you feel good as a fan, uh, free drinks, free food, um, just totally worth going. If they do that again next year and and anyone listening here is in Lubbock for it, y'all should check it out. If anything, it's just worth it to check out the facility and, all the coaches were walking around. I mean, I almost bumped into Sunny Cumbia a couple of times. So, I mean, it just everybody was floating around. You could talk to anybody you wanted to. Of course, I didn't because I'm not wired that way. <laughs> I'm not the type of person to, oh, hello. Hello, Coach Cumby. My name is Michael. I just wanted to talk to you a little bit. Of course, I could talk him about, because um, I grew up in Merkel, Texas, and Merkel and Snyder played each other a lot. But I don't know if they played each other until after Cumby had already left. Hmm. Or it was right around that time. So anyway, the only I time could've, I could have done that, but I just, I'm just not wired that way, man. Are you that way? No, Spencer? no, no, absolutely Would not. you just, if you bumped, if you saw somebody walk by, would you feel so compelled to interact with them that you would just start up a conversation? No, but I, I, I have two examples. One, I went to an event like this. It was a donors thing where it was right after Matt Wells was hired. The athletic department invited in a bunch of donors and I'm not a donor, but covenant as a donor. Um, mm-hmm. and so I get to go as a, you know, as the department that signs the checks for our, our, our sponsorships basically. Um, and I spoke to him then very briefly and then we walked out together. And so I, I, I talked to him another 20, 30 seconds, uh, one-on-one like that. The other example I have is I ran into Neil Brown at the mall one weekend when he was the office and coordinator here many years ago. Yeah. I was like, Hey, that's Neil Brown. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I leaned over to the, like, Hey, that's Neil Brown right there. Here, look, there goes, there well, goes. I saw, <laughs> I saw it. coach Peary there. Um, with a uh, basketball assistant basketball coach. Well, he's assistant head coach, right? Is that his official title? That or associate head coach. I'm not sure. Associate he's head coach. Anyway, second um, number command. two, basically. 
And so I saw him and I kept thinking, if I see Mark Adams, I might actually go talk to Mark Adams. And I don't know what I was going to say, but just something like, I'm really excited you're here, coach. We wish you the best of luck. And I would almost tell him I love him. We love that you're here. But aside, (laughs) I would have worded it somewhat better. But Mark Adams was the only one I think I could have, because he just has that, you know, deacon at your church or elder at your church person that you just feel like, I'm just going to go talk to him. He'll be cool with that. He won't mind. Oh, for sure. The other guys, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not so sure. But anyway, it's worth going. If y'all want to go next year, if they do it again, I hope they do. Uh, Jack Ingram played. It was, you know, the speaking itself was like 10, 15 minutes, like I said. So you won't get a lot from that, but it doesn't really matter. It's just cool to check out everything and um, see how many people were there and excited about tech football, which is why we do this podcast because we get excited about tech football. Even when it's not good, even when <laughs> we it's still get excited about it yeah. and we don't know if it's good or not yet. So we're very excited now. Um, I think kind of rolling into that while we were there, like I mentioned earlier, Hokut actually shared this with Don Williams that just kind of, we'll talk about realignment quickly because there's really not much news, but that, um, not Hokut yet, but that, soon, maybe <laughs> soon, maybe possibly. Hokut mentioned that um, he and Baylor AD Mac Rhodes, Kansas Chancellor Doug Gerard, is that how you say his name? I'll believe you. And Iowa State President Wendy Winterstein. What a name, which, Wendy Winterstein. That's like a, it's like a Marvel level villain uh, with the alliteration. Yes, I'm. I'm immediately Stan reminded was about of. That. Wendy, is it Wendy Peppercorn in Sandlot? Yes. Because it's kind of the same. It's not the same alliteration, but the same syllables, I think. And Vicky Valancourt. I always think of that one as far as perfect alliteration. <laughs> Bobby Boucher's girlfriend. So Wendy Winterstein. Sorry, we're not demeaning this. That's no, not at all. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying she's <laughs> it's a, just interesting a alliteration. Um, they were on the subcommittee to expand the Big 12. Uh, they've also enlisted Oliver Luck, which is interesting. He was former West Virginia AD and the XFL, the doomed XFL commissioner as a cult, a consultant to aid in working through realignment. So Hoka mentioned that to Don Williams at the event. Of course, Williams ran with it on Twitter immediately, wrote a longer article about it that posted, I believe that evening. And it was in the next morning's paper. And then that was where, you know, it, he was quoted a few times, especially, or uh, I know for sure on the athletic. And then it was, um, you know, that it came out that BYU would be a possible target along with Cincy, Memphis, UCF, and Houston. Have you heard that before, Spencer? Does that shock you? Uh, from maybe like five years ago. <laughs> um, and and I don't like, okay, so you're, you're at a point where you would have eight schools after Texas and Oklahoma leave, you just listed off five. I don't think you add five. I think you add four and get back to 12. Um, and I think everybody, well, I think tech fans are looking at it and be like, okay, BYU is fine. Cincinnati's fine. Memphis is fine. Central Florida. Hell no to Houston. I know. I don't fully get it. Are you on board with the Houston hate? I get makes sense to add them. Um, 
and probably like makes more sense than like a central Florida. Although I mean, you can make the case for like you get East coast, you get some Florida exposure. Not that that's going to help you recruit Florida because you shouldn't be having to extend yourself to recruit Florida when you can recruit Texas. And we've seen a lot of players leave their home state, end up transferring back to their home state after a year or two when they're unhappy. So I, I, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not super compelled by the argument. Like you can go recruit Florida better. Um, they're competitive. They could be competitive in the conference immediately. So I think more so than like not, not looking at them as, as being able to join and being a viable member. It's like you're splitting your recruiting that much further by adding another in-state institution that you already kind of have to recruit against, but you could always say, well, they play in the American. That's like peewee football, like big 12 power five football is different. (laughs) But if you bring them up, like you're, you're like leveling them up. Like we saw with TCU, TCU is super successful in the mountain West. Didn't really have the same access to the recruits they do now. And for a while they were killing it. That's why you you got their big spike uh, early 2010s them and Baylor were going at it for a while with Trevon Boykin and Bryce Petty. Um, so that's kind of where I, I stand against Houston. They, if I take my Texas tech and big 12 fan glasses off, they probably make the most sense. Absolutely. The other team that makes the most sense, at least in football, because of the immediate value is BYU. And I know there are like a lot of like, ancillary issues with like, well, if you're going to add them, do you bring them in as football only? Or you bring them in as a full member? They're already, so they're independent in football and they play everything else in the, in the whack. Um, I don't think you could split it that way. If you brought them in, Mm -hmm. obviously they have, they've got a great following. They've been successful recently. Um, you know, mountain time zone, like getting up to salt Lake. It's not really an issue. Like it's easy to get there from everywhere. Got a good stadium, got good fans. They travel really well because they're everywhere. Like if you put a BYU game on here in Lubbock, you'll have a lot of people wearing BYU stuff that didn't have to travel. Um, anyways, and then Cincinnati, Memphis and UCF is more like they're the kind of the, the top dogs of the ACC, sorry, AAC, the American um, those other conferences that are just like on the cusp and have been successful recently, that could make sense to add them. And they're also good at basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. That that's a really interesting part about all of this is just how good the basketball would be with Houston, Cincy and Memphis on board. Um, well, BYU is also well, BYU too. Yeah. yeah, of course. I didn't mean to leave them out. Uh, I, I get, I get the thing with Houston I get part of it is because I think honestly, most of it is just because, uh, because they're not in a power five conference. People just don't want them to be in a power five conference by people. I mean, tech fans and other big 12 members. It's just that simple. They're almost the same size as tech. As far as students, Uh, tech's already losing active football players to Houston. There are three former red Raiders on this Houston team. Which we'll talk about in a minute. Which we'll talk about later. And I believe they, I mean. One's a starter. 
Yeah. So yeah, he was listed as starter this week. So it's not like they're just, Oh, just some guys that left. You'll remember their names once we get to it, but it was just, I I get, it's going to be a problem to elevate them as the word. That's the buzzword everyone uses, but it just makes too much sense. It makes sense financially. It makes sense on the eyeball test. That seems to be the big thing. Um, you, You know, there's a reason this game is on ESPN week one at 6 p.m. It's because they plan on a lot of people watching it because there are enough people who are interested in tech and Houston football mm-hmm. to watch this game. So there's there's uh, definitely some reasons there beyond just, well, we can't let them get to the point where they um, are on the same playing field as far as recruiting goes. And, and that's, like having said that, I recognize that they have... They have landed higher rated recruits than Texas Tech has recently. Like they had Ed Oliver, who was a five-star defensive lineman, not a transfer. They legit got him to commit out of high school. Like it's not. Derek King was pretty good too. Yeah, I don't and know he if y'all went, heard of him. He, he was went pretty good to Houston. Um. Anyways, so like I said, they they make sense. I don't like it. Um. But I mean, it's a regional team. I don't know if anybody outside of Texas would have a problem with adding them. I don't know if Oklahoma state has a problem with it or Kansas state or Kansas or Iowa state. Like it's probably just as easy for them to make that like add one more team in Texas. That's local to a really large airport. <laughs> like they can get well, to Houston. And they may be easily. thrilled about, yeah, they may be thrilled about the ability to get to Houston and, you know, recruit directly against them. That, that may be kind of a fun thing. I mean, or they may be just as upset Maybe their guys like recruiting Houston because they're they're the same thing. Well, yeah, if you sure you can stay in town and go to Houston, but if you come to Manhattan, we play Big Twelve football, people. Yeah, it's a whole different world. That's different to Mali. And then you know you're like, well, <laughs> is it? <laughs> you know, for, if, if everyone keeps telling us for the remaining eight, it's really not the only the only ones that matter are Texas. You know, five hundred Texas over the last seven years. That's all that matters. And then. Of course, OU, who's been spectacular, so can't really argue with it there. Yeah, but speaking right. of Houston, yeah, let's let, let's jump into the preview because <laughs> we we mentioned already the the depth charts were released, and what's interesting is both head coaches and came out and said, "And eh, don't pay that too much attention." It's like, then why did you release it? Anyways, we're we're gonna look at it as if it's the real deal that we're, like we're gonna basing a lot of our conversation on tonight. Um. So, Michael, did, have you seen anything on the Texas Tech depth chart that stand out to you? Nothing, nothing too much aside from, you know, you and I talked briefly before this. I did not catch the thing you caught, so I'm totally going to let you roll with that because that was good eye on your part. But as far as the X and H receivers, it's interesting that they're all listed as ORs. So mm-hmm. it's a you lot can of rotation. Right. So they're probably going to be rotating a lot, but didn't do that with any of the other receivers that I could see. So there's three listed um, for X receiver. You've got Kalen Geiger, Trey Cleveland, JJ Sparkman. Those are all ors. And then for H you've got McLean Mannix or Miles Price or Dalton Rigdon. So, so I think that's kind of good. I guess that shows that they're confident in all of them. Uh, I don't think anyone's surprised to see Geiger up there already, the you know presumed starter. Um, a couple other things, 
I I noticed too that wasn't a surprise, but it's just good to confirm it, uh, especially since he wasn't at the scrimmage. But TJ Stormont transfer from TCU will be starting at left tackle. So that has been confirmed and that's what we all figured, but it's just kind of nice to see it in there. But I wanted you to talk about what you saw. Well, so let's look at the offensive line real quick. Left tackle, TJ Stormont, left guard, West and right center, Dawson Deaton, right guard, Josh Berger, who played a little bit of tackle last year and was not very good, but then he got moved inside. He's like, Oh, I like that much better. (laughs) And then Caleb Rogers, um, I'm stealing this from Rob bro. He tweeted this out. The offensive line for Texas tech averages six foot, six inches tall, 312 pounds and collectively have 99 collegiate starts under their belt. So I did, I did the math. That's almost 20 games per player. Exactly. That's almost, where I was going. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's almost two full seasons. So you're going into your third season as a starter. Um, they now, Stormont probably accounts for a lot of those 99. But if you look across the line, so Stormont's a senior, Weston Wright's a junior, Dawson Deaton's a senior, Josh Berger's a senior, Caleb Rogers is a sophomore. He's the youngest starter listed, and he played all of last year. That's right. He had to. Then your quarterback, we all know Tyler Shuck, then Henry Columbia, then Donovan Smith or Baron Morton. Um, running back, Sir Roderick Thompson, not a surprise there. Xavier White or Taj Brooks, then Chadarius Townsend. No surprises there. Travis Kuntz, Mason Tharp as your tight ends. I get why Kuntz is the starter and why Tharp is not. I want to see a lot of Tharp though. I do too. He had some, had a couple of passes fly off his hands at the scrimmage. So maybe that doesn't happen very often, but, but yeah, you see a, a true freshman, six, nine, two fifty. You, you want to see him play, but yeah. he is, you know, at six, nine, two fifty. you think, oh gosh, he's huge, but you see him up next to some of these other guys like Kuntz is five inches shorter, but has five pounds on him. Kuntz is a hoss. A little and so <laughs> yeah, Tharp may, um, Tharp may, stand to, to put on 15 or 20 as, as he uh, progresses through this and his I, time here. I remember Tharp's weight being released a few weeks ago as 265. Um, and maybe that was, you know, not entirely accurate. And maybe this weight so. is old, you know, not, I'm not dated. Um, you, you mentioned the, the outside receivers, Kalen Geiger, Trey Cleveland, JJ Sparkman, and then Eric Azucama, Loic Fungi, Gerond Bradley. The thing I like about that group Kalen Geiger is the smallest of the outside receivers. And we like, it, it's weird to group men. Like, I don't know if I've seen a, a group of outside receivers with this size at Texas tech and like forever. Eric Ezukanma is the smallest of that group outside of Geiger at six, three two twenty. It's great to see it. I mean, it's just fantastic. <laughs> Trey Cleveland, six, four, one ninety five. JJ Sparkman, six, four, two twenty five. Uh, Eric Ezukama, 6'3", 220. Loic Fungi, 6'4", 220. Jerron Bradley, 6'5", 220. Um, and we know what Geiger can do because he played so much at Troy. I thought he'd be more of an inside guy because um, he's he's got the same size as the inside receivers. He's listed at 5'10", 180, which is right in line with McLean Mannix at 5'10", 185. Miles Price, 5'10", 180. Dalton Rigdon, 5'11", 170. But I guess his skill set lends itself better to the outside. So, I like that size, especially when we look at the matchups. I was, before we get to the Houston, th- their depth chart, their tallest cornerback, I think is six foot. 
Mm-hmm. They yes. were started at five eight. Now they may they may have the five eight guy just sticking to Geiger, like whichever side of the field he's on, the five eight guy is on. Because you can't put a five eight corner on Eric Azukanma and say cover this man. He's going to play keep away with him and make him look silly. That's seven inches of height difference. It's a full head over it. Like it, it's going to be unfair. Um, defense though. There is so much. Oh, not even quality depth, but like experience um, and age depth along the defensive front. It's exciting. This is one of those, those positions you've been like looking at for years. Like oh, we just need to get better at front. Tyree Wilson, 6'6", 275, is your starter at defensive end, backed up by Nelson and Banasor and L.B. Moore. Your nose tackle, Jalen Hutchings or Tony Bradford. Tony Bradford spoke in the, the week one press conference, really impressed with him. They're both six foot or 6'1", 305 or 290. And then backed up by Troy Teah, who's just recently put on scholarship, 6'2", 300. Like you've got some beef up front, the nose tackle. Then your defensive tackle position, Devin Drew is your um, starter there. He was a junior college transfer, played a lot last year. 6'2", 280, backed up by Philip Bleedy, 6'3", 295. Your your defensive line, your smallest guy is Tyree Wilson, 6'6", 275. Or your lightest lightest starter. Right. They've really... um you know, the staff has done a good job with these players and getting them or just shedding weight or putting weight on or kind of whatever they need to get done. And I think the defensive line may be the place where you see that the most. Yeah. So like I said, Bradford spoke in the, um, the week one press conference. There's some, some points I want to get to really quickly before we move on past the defensive lineman on the depth chart. Uh, he was talking specifically about the, some game planning against Houston. He said, we can't let them run the ball right through the heart of the defense. Like, you can't run at us. We're not going to let them do that. He's like, yeah, I'd love to hear that, man. <laughs> and he's, he's the, the backup or the, the, you know, 1A or 1B starter at nose tackle. Like, dude's got like just a massive frame on him. Like, if you watch the video, which will be linked in the show notes, it's a big dude. Tony Bradford. Um, he was asked about the differences of playing in a college stadium versus NFL. He's like, no, it's absolutely the same. Our goal is the same to go one and I was like, I know that's been coached into them because Tyler Shuck also said our goal is to go one and this week. Mm-hmm. But the way he said it, I was like, this man wants it. Like he wants to win. <laughs> like, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It's weird to say that. And like, of course they want to win, but like it was convincing. You felt it. I felt it. The other thing, um, and this is partly because they have a new defensive coordinator this year, uh, does Houston. They promoted their defensive backs coach that had been there for a couple of years to be their defensive coordinator this year. Um, he says that we acknowledge that we have to be ready for anything. Like they, they haven't put something on, sorry, that has nothing to do with their new defensive coordinator. But for them, Bradford, the defense says that we have to be ready for Houston to show something they haven't done on, on film yet uh, that we need to be ready to make adjustments on the fly. Like going into it, knowing like they may try something. We, we know that they're going to try something. We have to be ready for it. 
Yeah. You don't want to get caught so, flat-footed. Yeah. And so hopefully the scout team or whoever has been trying some random stuff this week and getting these guys ready for some crazy thing that Holgerson thought up on the bus ride over. And here's the thing, like you think about adding in some kind of weird wrinkle, like you may see that once unless that weird wrinkle is we're going to have, we're going to move Tavon Austin to running back instead of being inside receiver. Like he did against Oklahoma at West Virginia so many years ago. And then dude ran for like 400 yards against Oklahoma. Um, okay. So the linebackers, as much as excited I was about the, the defensive line, I'm really excited about the guys right behind them. So your middle linebackers, your strong side linebacker and your middle linebacker, Colin Schooler is your starter. And then on the other side, Krishan Merriweather or Rico Jeffers. I like both those guys. Merriweather was your leader in tackles last season. Uh, because Je- Jefferson didn't play a full season. Uh, Morgan Stern is going to back up Schooler. So that's a position change from Morgan Stern. He was the nickelback safety linebacker position that we're going to talk about here in just a second. Um, moving more interior, but he's got the size for it. He's two inches taller than Schooler. He's 6'4, 230. Um, then your Will, this is going to be your hybrid rush end linebacker. Brandon Boyer Randall is your starter there, backed up by Josiah Pierre, the transfer from Florida. And then the other position that I was really excited about, this is the thing that Michael hinted at earlier, is Reggie Pearson is listed as your starter there for that nickelback safety position. 5'11", 195, the smallest guy on your defense. 5'11", 195, you can't say that for Texas Tech teams of old. Um, And he was... Matt Wells was asked about Pearson in the press conference today. He's like, he was a fantastic football player at Wisconsin. Everybody knows that he's a great defender and he hits like a hammer. I was like, I love they moved him closer to, to the line. Mm-hmm. Um, backed up there by Kosai Eldridge. Your cornerbacks starting one side would be Demarcus Fields, Adrian Fry, Nate Floyd. On the other side, Malik Dunlap or Rashad Williams, both are transfers uh, backed up there by Kobe Miner. Your shortest corner, Demarcus Fields, six foot 200. But remember, he was the guy that led your team in picks two years ago. He was intercepting everything. And then you got big guys opposite him, Malik Dunlap, Rashad Williams. Your safeties in the back, Muddy Waters, Cam White, and then... Eric Monroe, and then Rabbit, Taylor Demerson. Seth Collins, also listed as a possible safety. Back for year number six? Seven. Seven. <laughs> Just Anyways. incredible. Can you, can you imagine making a D1 roster once, <laughs> let alone seven times at what, four different positions now? I think it's been at least two or three at Texas Tech. He, he was Oregon State. He played quarterback and receiver. I believe he came to Tech as a receiver, then got moved to linebacker or safety. Like he's, he's been a, a defensive back on the defense somewhere. But yeah, um, like you do, you are relying on some transfers as starters 
that you haven't seen before, or at least for Texas Tech, and Muddy Waters, Malik Dunlap, um, and Reggie Pearson. Tyree Wilson got some games in last season, uh, also a transfer, but like, there's not a spot on this defense, at least on paper, that I'm like, okay, so we just got to watch out for them taking advantage of that person, right? Um, I don't or see even that group, the yeah. rotation. Yeah, because it used to be like, okay, so we just need to we need to to, to beef up the pass rush because our our defensive backs can't cover, um, or we need to make sure that our linebackers are really stout because our defensive line is going to let some guys through. Now it's like I don't see a position or a player. I'm like, we just got to stay away from him. Eric Monroe kind of was a little iffy. Um, but like, if it's not Monroe, then I, I really like Daydream Taylor Demons, Demerson or rabbit. as like everybody calls him. Like there's just not a player on there. that was like, we gotta, we gotta cover up that hole. So the defense depth chart pre game one has me excited. Okay. So. Sorry, I was on mute. The other thing I noticed too was. Um, How many times have you heard that in the past year and a half? Oh my gosh. It's just, that should just be on everyone's bumper sticker or something. I have. I mean, I guess the, the big takeaway on special teams, just because we need to mention that quickly, is Garibay will be your place kicker, but Wolf will continue to kick kickoffs. So that seems to be not too surprising. Uh, returners, though, I guess we should mention uh, McLean Mannix, Miles Price, and Geiger. Kalen Geiger will be in the mix for, your punt for return. returning kunks. Uh, returning punts. <laughs> I was about to say, like let's a, say kickoffs. And I said them both at the same time. That could have been even worse than what it was. Your kickoff returner, your starter there is Chadarius Townsend. Right. Um, which interested to see what he's able to do with Geiger there as well. So they may be both back there to field kickoffs. Geiger did have a good impressive return in the scrimmage. I don't know how much of that was because they weren't going full out on special teams in a scrimmage, but he had a pretty good return last weekend. Um, Okay. So historically Texas Tech and Houston have played going back to August 6th, 1951 Last game was September 15th, 2018. That last game, of course, was when Alan Bowman dropped 63 points on Houston. We've won the Gosh, last. That was, a good, that was a good time to be a Red Raider because you know, Houston came in with Yarrick King. Um, was this either the week before or after Lamar? I can't remember. I can't remember. It just felt good. It just felt like things were going like they were supposed to. They went up to Stillwater not too long after these first few games. One in Stillwater. And you thought, finally, our guy Kingsbury's figured it out. And then, no. Of course, Bowman got hurt too. Let's not forget that. But anyway, we don't have to relive that. Uh, another interesting fact Speaking of, you know, historical stats. Keyshawn Carter, who is now a Houston Cougar, his best game was against Houston. I think he had, uh, let's see, 
Dang, I wrote this down and now I can't find it. Ugh, that's just terrible. I can't find it anyway. No, 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 that's not right. Um, Tejon Henry's, sorry, I'm spoiling it all. Tejon Henry, who former Red Raider, uh, was list was his uh, best performance was in 2018 in that game. 24 carries, 111 yards, four touchdowns. He also had seven receptions for 42 receiving yards. So after that game, he, you know, he he didn't play as much the rest of the year. But uh, that was definitely his best game as a Red Raider. And now he has moved on to Houston and he is not listed on the depth chart in the top two. They only released a two deep uh, for Houston this week. So he, he wasn't there. But womp, just kind of womp. interesting. Yeah, that his best <laughs> game was against the team that he actually transferred to and has not made the starting rotation just yet. So... I read through the college football network preview of this game. I don't know if you, if you did Michael, at least there for the, for Houston. I think the biggest thing I took away from it, <clears throat> um, outside of the, the eyeball test, which I watched several, well, I watched highlights of a lot of their games from last season. And, and I get that like defensive highlights against Houston are going to show the other team doing really well. Um, but this preview mentioned that last season, in what, like six games? I think they only played six or seven games last year. Houston was outscored in the first quarter, 72 to 37. Oof. And they took know, a while to get that, going defensively and offensively. Like they had horrendous first quarters. Yes. And the only time, I mean, they were three and five last year. Was, of course, it was a shortened season. They lost out on games to Tulsa. Baylor and SMU. I know the Baylor game was rescheduled a couple times possibly. Um, so they only played eight games, but they and were three and five. Game. Yeah. Yeah. They were three and five in those games. They were zero and five when they scored less than 37 points. So the only games they won, they had to score 37 or more. And somehow they, they beat uh, Tulane, which I listened to the, the Republic of Football podcast. Um, and Shehan Jarajas has since left Dave Campbell since I listened to this podcast. He's at CBS Sports now. Congrat- congratulations to him. But I listened to their preview. They had kind of some burning questions is how they do their podcast. They mentioned this, uh, you know, the, the kind of Holgerson strategy in 2019. I kind of forgot about this. He redshirted a bunch of players including Derek King. Derek King ended up transferring. I think that was, you know, Toon played a lot that year. Clayton Toon is Houston's current quarterback. We'll get to him eventually. But the thing I wanted to mention, they quoted a number that Houston, I guess this is during Holgerson's tenure. They didn't specify, but they are 1-12 against teams that made a bowl game. And that only win was against Tulane last year. So I watched the Tulane highlights. And Houston looks really pretty good. I mean, that team looked sharp. And Toon is 6'3", 215, but he is fast. Mm-hmm. He is surprisingly fast, and he can turn it on in an instant. He can just go full throttle, and next thing you know, he's picked up 25 yards. So he's going to have to – he's going to be someone to watch out. I did I did see, though, that um, – you know, they, 
does not handle pressure well. No, no, he does not. <laughs> Which is <laughs> he, one of one of the points I want to get to. Yeah. So we can start talking about tune if you want. Yeah. So it, let, let's start looking at the, the matchups here. Um, starting quarterback for the Cougars will be junior quarterback Clayton Toon, six three two fifteen. You mentioned that his third year starter. Um, last year he completed only sixty percent of his passes for two hundred fifty six yards a game, and threw ten interceptions to fifteen touchdowns. Um, so the games that I saw, um, you mentioned, well, here in the notes, we've got their offense is returning eight starters, four on the offensive line, which is like, okay, great. So their offensive line's going to be pretty good. Their offensive line last year, not good. No. Especially on, on, uh, on pass blocking. As much as, as Holgerson wanted to drop back and pass, Toon did not have a lot of time. The games I watched, like, it had to be, like short routes, quick release. Otherwise there were guys in, in, in Toon's face. And like you said, not good and under pressure. There were several games like the, the bowl game against Hawaii. Like he got sacked a bunch. Uh, he threw a lot of interceptions and those interceptions, like it's not like he was just rushed and threw into like triple coverage. Like he rushed, like he, he'd, he'd get rushed and then he just wouldn't like, he wouldn't be as sharp passing. Like, so he got, he would, throw it and then there'd be a defender there. We're just like batted up into the air, mm-hmm. but it happened like three times against the same team. Like Hawaii does not have like a great team. Like Todd Graham, the, with the Britney Spears microphone going on on the sideline, <laughs> uh, former Arizona state coach, like known for his defenses, right? Like he's like Keith Patterson coach with Graham several years ago. Um, I believe unless I'm making that up. Um, like that Hawaii team and the New Mexico bowl made Houston look so bad and Hawaii hasn't been good in since 2008. Like it was, it was bad. So offensively, uh, you know, you would think with, with this many offensive line stars coming back, they'd be better. That was a, a weak point for them last year. Um, it forced tune to make quick reads, uh, throw the ball. Like he didn't have a lot of options to throw it deep. Um, he is fast. Uh, and it's one of those guys like he's deceptively fine. He doesn't just like, he's not that burner, but like when he gets going, he's like, oh, wow, that was 20 yards in a heartbeat. Um, but he's not like Holgerson doesn't use him as an option quarterback. Like he's not having him run, but he's really good at running. Yes. Uh, if the opportunity presents itself, he's going to take advantage of it. I mean, his he averaged, and and you know, rushing attempts for quarterbacks is always skewed because you can't really, you don't know how many are sacks and all that kind of stuff. So grain of salt, but he went 72 attempts last year, 253 yards. So that's three and a half yards per carry, basically. And Mulba Carr, their you know, top running back from last year, he went 52 of 192 yards. So let's see. That turns out to 3.7 yards per carry. So Toon was averaging about as much on the ground as their starting quarter uh, running back, who's also back this year. Just something to keep an eye out for. And, you know, after going through the two deep with you and talking myself into this a little bit, something I'm not as worried about because I feel like 
you've got guys who can handle that sort of thing. You've got somebody like Reggie Pearson at the spur who may be waiting for that sort of thing, maybe kind of as a spy type deal. Or, I mean, you've, you've got a fast, a fast guy on the end who could run in there and get him. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm not quite as worried about it as I used to be having, especially having seen Colin Schooler. I did want to touch a little bit on Christian Merriweather. He was the guy I was really picking to stand out last year. And he did. Uh, I think he had the most tackles of the team. But I, I just expect even a little bit more out of him this year. I think he was overshadowed a little bit by Schooler and Jeffers, even though Jeffers' season was cut short. But, um, you know, Schooler, of course, came in and, and impressed everybody really well. But anyway, I just something to, to worry about with Tune is his feet. Um, you mentioned this before about the line a little bit. They're, they're only returning eight starters on the offense, from what I could tell. Um, Four of them are on the line. So the rest of the offense is just, it's almost like a Chris Beard team. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the rest of the offense are just a bunch of new guys, um, which is, you know, could be interesting. Could be very interesting. Yeah. So one, um, one of the returners is Nathaniel Dell uh, was their leading receiver in 2020. This is after they also lost two receivers to transfer. Um. He had, he, he's a small dude too. So it's like, like he, they, they used him a lot on the inside. 5'10", 155, sophomore. 29 receptions for 428 yards. Good for almost 15 yards per catch and three touchdowns. Um, but then they're adding three guys from the transfer portal and their receiver core. Keyshawn Carter. I think we all are aware of who he is and how good he was for Texas Tech. Just another year older. Uh, we'll be able to play for them this year. Listen as a starter on the outside for Texas Tech career, 83 receptions for 831 yards. Um, that's exactly, you know, 10 yards per catch in the three seasons here. Uh, 2020, he had 30 receptions, 290 yards and four touchdowns before he went down with a shoulder injury and then ultimately transferred out. Seth Green transferring in from Minnesota. Listen as a tight end. Um, although, their starting tr- tight end, Tristan. Well, I'm blanking on his name. He started last year. was really good for them. Um, well, in one round. Christian Trahan. Trahan. And I don't know if it's just like, he just wasn't very good at it. Or like Holgerson didn't use the tight end any other way. But when they threw to the tight end, it was up the seam. It was like the tight end did nothing else but run straight. He was good yes, at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was good at it. Well, the thing with Seth Green, it's really interesting that he has made the rotation because to my knowledge, this is the first time he's ever been listed as a tight end. Um, he was a quarterback in high school and he played quarterback back at Minnesota a little bit. Um, he played in a wildcat formation, you know, when they would bring that out in 2018, he was also a backup. Um, he also played running back and I think wide receiver. He was a, the last I checked in 2020, he was listed as a wide receiver in Minnesota. So this guy's just been everywhere. He's kind of there, Seth Collins. Right. Um, yeah. but, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe he grew. Maybe he got bigger because he's 6'4", 240. <laughs> well, that's a big uh, running back. But if you're talking about Minnesota. Yes, I know. <laughs> they like, like big Brandon dudes. Jacobs back there. Yeah. Uh, and then Jalen Irwin, also transfer uh, from UCLA. Um. 
the running backs mobile car was, I believe their second string guy. I think they had a, their starter last year was a senior has moved on. Mobile car did play a ton last season, 5'11, 215. It's a sixth year senior. He had 52 carries for 192 and two touchdowns. Chandler Smith looking to, to break in there. Small dude like Deuce Vaughn up at K, K- State, 5'6, 184, a senior. Only had 25 attempts last year for 120 yards. Uh, and the other guy that we know of that they have back there, Tajon Henry, played for Texas Tech, 5'7", 170. Uh, he sat out in 2020, but was on their roster. Um, and then you mentioned his best performance was in 2018 for Texas Tech against Houston. So that's their offense. Guys yeah. to look forward to or look out for, obviously, quarterback Clayton Toon. Uh, when he's got time, he's going to try to throw uh, to the outside receivers, um, especially Keyshawn Carter, and then up the middle to Trey Han, and then hand it off to some decent, solid running backs in Mobile Car, Chandler Smith, and Tajon Henry. Yeah, Mobile Car is solid and he moves. Um, he will try to move through you. And I was really impressed watching him run a little bit in the highlights that I get to got to see. And Chandler Smith is just like you said, you know, five six, one eighty four, Deuce Vaughn ish kind of guy that can just juke you around. So you will definitely know when it's Carr or Smith in the backfield. Um, you'll know which one is in. So you might be able to expect, or you know, kind of know what to expect from each runner. But man, Mobicar will he'll try to bulldoze some people. He's a hard runner. Yeah. On the defense, they are returning all 11 starters. Their defensive quarter, like I mentioned earlier, Doug Belk was their defensive backs coach past couple years promoted after last season. Uh, Last year, they were third in the AAC in sacks, fourth in total defense, but they also gave up 32 points per game. Where have you heard that before, Michael? Gosh, that really sounds familiar. Sounds like Texas Tech. Also from my watching these, these games and highlights, like against not very good athletes, they were terrible at tackling. Like, and I don't know if it was in like where I first saw, I, I was kind of jumping around uh, in their season where I saw it the most was in their bowl game against Hawaii. So again, it's like, well, how much do you want to be there? Right. You were three and four in your season going into your bowl game and they end losing the bowl game to Hawaii. Um, but like they didn't have, they don't have great offensive skill positions for the, the, the rainbow warriors, but like they made them look bad. It was very Texas tech esque in how like defenders were just bouncing off of receivers or diving at air. It's like, that looks so familiar. <laughs> diving where someone's foot was. <laughs> This is where the guy was a half second ago. Yeah. Um, so guys to look out for on the defensive side, you've got another Texas tech transfer and cornerback, Alex Hogan, not listed on the depth chart. Um, and then you found a couple guys, cornerback Marcus Jones. Yeah. He's a returner too. And I think that's kind of the main thing to watch out for with him. But I mean, he's, um, <laughs> He's been picked for a lot of things as far as, you know, for uh, as far as cornerback, mainly for punt returner. I mean, he was on the field still all American first team uh, returning punts. Uh, I, I saw him return a beauty in the highlights against Southern Florida. 
last year, which they just demolished poor Southern Florida. Um, they have Southern Florida or South Florida? New South Florida. The Bulls. Anyway, um, yeah, it was 42 to nothing at some point. But Jones is definitely somebody to, to look out for. He's a, listed as a starting cornerback at 5'8", 185. Yeah, and he's going to be shifty with the ball in his hand when he's trying to run it back against you. But please do try to put him against a 6'5 receiver. You see how that goes. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that Tech wins that battle. And that was something you've mentioned a couple times, just the height difference. You know, the fact that Tech's out res- outside receivers, the shortest guy is 6'3". Is that right? If you're Does not counting Kalen Geiger. Oh, yeah, Geiger. Yeah, he's 5'10". 10, so. Um, and then other guys, uh, defensive lineman, David, I'm going to butcher his name, Anina. He had four and a half sacks, six and a half tackles for loss. Um, defensive lineman, fullback, combo player. Would you love those defensive line fullbacks? Derek Parrish. And then linebacker, Donovan Mutin. Mutin. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's kind of an, I don't want to say an unknown, but... He was injured in 2019 after, I mean, he recorded 61 tackles that year. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. He recorded 61 tackles in 2019, but was out injured last year in 2020. So that was a big, uh, you know, a big point that we saw doing our quick little research is just that he is back now. And he was obviously a big producer uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so I feel like both of us went through this preview with a little more optimism than we talked about last week in our preview. A little more pep in our step. Yeah, I'm kind of getting that way too. Um, although we both picked this game as a Texas Tech or a Houston victory. Um, so, Michael, let's let's give our score predictions for the game. I don't know if, if we're going to change it from our preseason predictions. I'm maybe leaning that way. The the better the betters that that doesn't mean like that they're gonna they determine who's gonna win. From when it opened, what was it like? Texas Tech opened as like a touchdown favorite. Or I don't remember that points. for sure, but I know I saw four and a half at some point. Four and a half. It's down to Texas Tech minus one, which means we're basically a one point favorite. Um. The issue is it continues to go down. When Michael started the notes for a, do- for a document, it was two points. When I checked it yesterday, it was a, it was one and a half. Today it's one. Um, a so lot the money more, is coming in on Houston. <laughs> a lot of people are coming in to bet on Houston. That, again, from listening to gambling gouges, that doesn't mean that everybody thinks that, that Houston's going to win. They're just thinking if they win, there's, there's the payout there is better, right? Um, the over under we're going to put this over under is 64 points. Um, so a one point spread on 64 points is you can't get that, but it's like 33, 32, 33, 31. Um, anyway, so one, I'm going to take the over of 64. Me too. (laughs) And I'm, this always happens. I'm leaning towards the Texas Tech defense containing tune and the receiving core enough to get Shuck 
and are still the Texas Tech skill positions going? I'm going to say Texas Tech. Shoot. I'm looking at yours like that's pretty close to what I was going to say. I'm going to say Texas Tech 37, Houston 31. Ooh, okay. So we've both kind of flip-flopped here. I also am picking Tech to win. I've talked myself into this. I had uh, you know, a couple of five-hour drives this week, so I had a lot of time to kind of think. And I feel that, that Tech will be able to run against this team and just because we didn't see them run in the scrimmage and what little we saw, it seemed like it was stuffed at the line. I'm just going to ignore that. That's because our defensive line is so good, Michael. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going. <laughs> it's because maybe they just can't get, they just can't get past these guys. You know, maybe, maybe if you tried to run past Jalen Hutchings, it's just going to be a rough day. So I think that um, Tech should be able to run the ball even if the passing game's not there, which I am worried about, I'm not sure how well Shuck's going to do. I was just very underwhelmed with the the passing attack a couple weeks ago, but the cornerback size versus Tech's receivers to me seems like a big advantage for Tech, and uh, you know Tech's linebackers are just it just smiles to make me think about them. Um, so anyway. I'm, I'm coming back around tech 35, 31, taking the over on the points. Uh, obviously if someone scores 31 points on you, that's not great, but who knows? There could be, you know, maybe Marcus Jones runs one back or does something crazy. Maybe the defense doesn't give up 31, but that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like it's going to be somewhat close, but tech will win. I did not feel this way last week. I'm making a slight adjustment on my score. I'm, I'm upping Texas Tech to 38 because I realized 37 includes three field goals. I was like, no. <laughs> but let's reduce PAT, man. You never know. So I said 38, 31. So one more touchdown, two fewer field goals, one extra point, one more point. So 38, so, 31, Texas Tech. Michael's got him 35, 31. Um, continue to, to let us know on Twitter and de- definitely make sure you save this. We're an hour five into our preview in the, the post game instant reaction be like, okay, at an hour three, Spencer said 38, 31 Texas <laughs> tech one 42, 27. You guys are idiots. Our defense is <laughs> way better. Of, speaking of the best way to do that would be to download Spotify green room, Spotify green room, as you know, is free. It's audio only. It's a social media platform for sports fans. You can interact with us and other athletes, insiders. I mean, I wish we knew some insiders. You can do all that real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And as you know, we will be using this for post-game breakdowns. So look for it. Look for notifications from us starting, you know, 30 minutes or so after the end of the game. On Saturday, we will go live you can talk to us. You can get in on the conversation. We can pull you up to the, um, I forget what it's called, but you know, you can raise your hand quote unquote. And then we can pull you up to the, to the stage and you can speak your mind about whatever's on your mind and get in on the action there. Uh, well, you can be featured on our podcast. You can download it free. Of course, like I said, iOS, Google play. It's on both platforms. 
create a profile, link your Twitter, join our group. You can join me, Michael McDonald, or you can join Spencer Rogers and be notified when we go live. So look for that starting this Saturday because my goodness, we'll finally have an actual football game to talk about. All right. To wrap this up, we're going to quickly, I don't, I don't want to step on the, the gambling gauchos toast here, but we're going to look at the lines for a couple of big 12 games or the big 12 games this weekend. The picks are in as Michael has it. Uh, yes. First up Stanford versus Kansas state. I'm not sure. I don't, I was surprised to see Kansas state listed as a favorite here. Minus two and a half in Arlington. One, it's a weird place to play a neutral site game between these two teams. Yeah, I agree. I think that was, I think that was what threw me off too. Do, do you want to keep up with these or do you just want to just throw out a, I just throw it out. I'm like you, I don't want to steal too much thunder from gambling gauchos, which y'all should listen to. They are now available wherever you get podcasts. They are three episodes in. And by the time we release, maybe a fourth. Yes. With possible special guest BJ Simmons. So look out for that. Uh, I'm taking Stanford on this. Yeah. I, uh, Stanford plus two and a half. I'm good with that. I, I just, I, it just seems weird. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm with you there. Give me Stanford and two and a half points. Oklahoma, not at Tulane anymore. That game just got moved back to Norman because of the hurricane. That's right. Excuse me. Um, I was saying, I, I was getting salty on Twitter. I, I, didn't, I didn't say anything, but I saw a bunch of people like, oh, Oklahoma just picked up a home game out of, you know, the tragedy of, of this this hurricane. But because, because Tulane is will be continue to be designated as the home team. They will retain all revenue from ticket sales from Oklahoma. And then I've heard a lot of Oklahoma fans that had bought tickets from Tulane say, no, don't give me the refund. Like, let me donate it to the, the athletic department. It's like, Man, screw you. OU for being classy move there. <laughs> they are a uh, 26 and a half point favorite at home, or this was at Tulane. This was before. Yeah. This is so who the knows, line probably higher blew up, now, but at 26 and a half, it's a steal. Give me Oklahoma to cover. I'm with you. I don't think OU is going to slow down until I don't know. They run into Iowa state or something this year. Uh, West Virginia at Maryland. This is going to be an interesting game to watch. I will, will try to seek this out. I don't even know what time it is, but at the, when we looked this up, West Virginia was actually favored at Maryland minus three. I think I would take West Virginia on this one. So I'm gonna, even though my voice went up, I, I'm fairly <laughs> confident. With, I think I would take him. I'm going to, I'm going to take Maryland in the points there. I, they've been sneaky good the past few years and I have no faith in West Virginia. So give me Maryland to cover, but also to win this game at home versus West Virginia, Texas tech, not Texas. Texas hosting Louisiana Lafayette. They are nine point favorites at home, which is surprisingly small for the the historical like disparity here between these two teams. Mm -hmm. Um, But give me the horns to cover. I'm taking Lafayette to cover uh, at the very least. Um, I picked them solely just out of spite in my little matrix spreadsheet that I have. I picked Texas to lose this game a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, you know, I expect to be wrong, but it still doesn't mean if I don't speak life into it, it may happen. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think Texas is going to still have a lot of stuff to figure out. 
And I would not be surprised if they do not cover, even if they do win. Um, Baylor at Texas State. Baylor's favored minus 13 and a half. I know nothing about this game. I don't have much faith in Baylor. I'm taking Texas State in the points. Whoa, me too. Give me Texas State at home to not lose by two touchdowns to Dave Aranda and a non-existent offense. South Dakota at Kansas. Kansas is a big favorite in this game, Michael. Minus yeah. 15 and a half. Give me South Dakota to cover that. You're going to sound crazy. It's going to sound crazy to me, but give me Kansas. Whoa. I'm going to take Kansas to cover this somehow. All right. Um, and, and then we're going to roll into, we kind of we got into some weird territory here. Um, I pulled these lines from bet online and then they did not have a line for university of Northern Iowa at Iowa state or Duquesne at TCU. So I made some up based off of odd shark score predictions. So let's just throw that out there. Spencer, would you take Iowa state minus 26 versus Northern Iowa at home? No, I don't think so either. They, (laughs) they being Iowa state, was it not Northern Northern Iowa that they went into overtime with two years ago? No, I, I it may get, have been like a, a few overtimes. I, I, I get that Iowa State's better than they were two years ago. Um, 26 is a lot of points, and I don't know if their offense will be that good to run away from just anybody. So That's just not their style of play anyway. I, yeah. I could see them, you know, they might go up 21 in the fourth quarter, and then that's that. They just kind of start putting in subs or whatever. Um, Duquesne at TCU. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they will cover the 26. They, I definitely think they'll win. Duquesne at TCU. <laughs> Odd Shark had a score prediction of TCU winning 42 to nothing. So does that mean we should set the line at 42? That just seems crazy. That doesn't seem right. I um, mean, obviously, I'm going to pick TCU to win. <laughs> 42 points for anybody. I mean, outside of Oklahoma over Duquesne sounds crazy. So like if 42 is a line, give me Duquesne. But like, I don't know anything about the TCU offense this year just yet. Outside of Duggan being a really good runner. Um, well, aside of they're supposed to be way better than Tech because they're picked higher than Tech in every single I don't thing get it. that I've ever read. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Give me Duquesne plus 42. <laughs> That feels weird. And then Texas Tech versus Houston. Texas Tech minus one at this point. We both picked Texas Tech to win by four or seven points. So we're taking Tech to cover that and to win. All right, Michael, let's get to, we've got some, some questions answered and predictions submitted. Let's get to that. Now. Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Who's in the box? Uh, what's in the box? I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. So I I tweeted out a call for your thoughts and predictions for this weekend's game. Um. Just kick it off. Kyle Lang. I think Houston comes out the gates really hot. Uh, Not after the same team as last year. If Tech can make it through the first quarter without getting more than a score behind, they've got a shot at winning. Think it's closer, but hoping Texas Tech 42-24. It's a big win for Tech. That's, yeah, that would be great. That'd be a a really great way to start out the season because that means, like he said, they came out hot. They maybe got up 21-3 at some point and just cruised 
to a victory. Yeah. Gilbert at Thundergato underscore 84. Love that handle, by the way. Tech 49, <laughs> Houston 21. So even a bigger spread. Gilbert, I love the enthusiasm. 10-12 network. Gone back and forth a lot on this one. I think it's low scoring early. Offenses pick up in the second half. Taking Texas Tech 38, Houston 34. That's a lot in line with what we said. So, of course, I love it. Uh, and also a Texas Tech win. Um, and then one more Colt at Reckham Colt defense plays lights out and offense gets into a rhythm after a couple of series 38 to six tech. I like what Colt and 10, 12 network both said, you know, kind of low scoring early offense gets into a rhythm after a couple of series, that kind of thing. I, maybe that's what's going to happen, Spencer. Maybe that's, what we saw was just them not getting into their rhythm in that scrimmage. I just can't get away from that scrimmage. I need them to play a football game so that I can quit thinking about the stupid scrimmage because it probably means nothing. Yeah. And everyone screaming at their speakers listening to me right now is like, it's a scrimmage. Leave it alone. You're right. You're right. I'm going to try to do that. And we will actually have football to talk about afterwards. Just a few days away. All right, let's, let's wrap this up and get to what we learned. What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. Michael, you've got the, what did we learn this week? I've got two food related. What did we learn? So, um, we were at great wolf this weekend. If y'all know what that is, it's an indoor outdoor. It's outdoor as well. Water park. And we went to the one in grapevine have a little four-year-old. She just loves it. We've been there a few times and we always try to go this weekend because it's very cheap because everyone has started school. So this is her weekend to go. And this is the last time we can go because she will be in kindergarten next year and I'm not quite ready for it. But (laughs) all that to say, it's crazy, man. I learned, I know I learned that oven made brisket can be quite good because they had some brisket on the buffet there, my friend. And I went back for seconds. Let me say that my mom has made brisket before in the oven uh, and then basically shred it and then like, yes, buried it, drowned it in barbecue sauce. We're like, we just go yes. back. We're like a, almost like a pulled brisket sandwich. Um, I could, like when my mom used to, I could not stay out of it. So I, I've had oven made briskets before. And also she put a lot of barbecue sauce on it. My first experiences with brisket were through the oven. I know that they can be good through the oven. I also really like a smoked brisket, but yes. Oh, me too. Can be good. Me too. I, but I just, you know, growing up, we didn't, you know, we did roast like chuck roast or shoulder, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's shoulder, but uh, it was so just, expensive. Yeah, it, it was, um, brisket was too much for our family, you know, financially. And just the only way mom really knew how to cook something like that was a crock pot. So it's hard to fit a brisket in a crock pot. But anyway, so I didn't grow up having it in the oven. Um, but man, that buffet line at Great Wolf, it was just like you said, they had taken it and they had sliced a bunch of it, but also it was just kind of in pieces too. So there was all sorts of different sizes of in chunks and stuff, but none of it was like a huge chunk, but it was mainly slices and or just pieces kind of like pulled. And it was just like you said, it was drenched in this sweet kind of sticky sauce. There was... um 
there was also citrus involved. They had like orange slices that they had probably had on top of the brisket while it was cooking that they still had out on there. And I just got it on a whim thinking like, ah, we'll try this stuff. Fantastic. Went back, got seconds. And then when I went back and got seconds, I went over to the taco station and grabbed a flour tortilla and made my own little brisket taco out of this. (laughs) And they even got, they somehow had a crust on it, man. It was it was really dark on the outside. I don't know if they seared it beforehand or if they did that thing where they they turned on the broiler the last 15 minutes or something, but they even got a little bit of texture on the outside of it. I was, I mean, I could have eaten more of that. I almost made myself sick out of what I had. But um, all that to say, I, I wanted to throw this out there too. You know, wives can make dad jokes too. Um, so that's what I learned as well, because my wife, while we were recording, sent me a meme saying that egg salad is still chicken salad. When you think about it, (laughs) I love it. That's it. That's what I learned. Oven, oven brisket is good. And wives can make moms can make dad jokes too. Speaking of dad jokes, have you seen that new, new progressive commercial with Dr. Rick? About, is it the guy walking around about the koi, like the koi about fish? going to the shopping malls? Like this could be a big trigger for young adults turning into their parents. And he goes up, he's like, Hey, you, you know, what kind of fish are in this pond? Don't be koi. It's koi fish. Get it? <laughs> that like slaps him, like slaps his shoulder. It's koi fish. <laughs> I think the shoulder, I mean the shoulder, the shirt buying the exact same shirt again. and doesn't really realize it. And then after he realizes it, I'm still going to buy it anyway. (laughs) So it actually took me a while. I was like, when when I first saw, I thought it was the same shirt, different color. Like I I feel attacked. I've done this. I've, I've bought a shirt with the same pattern, just a different color. But then I realized like, I guess it was the TV we were watching it on. I was like, no, no, no. It's the exact same shirt he's currently wearing. I was like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. But I felt attacked earlier. I was like, am I doing that? I've done that so many times, especially for work or something. You find a polo that you like. Yeah. And especially if you hate trying on stuff, you find the polo you, you like. Find one like. That one works. Give me every color of that, please. Thank that you. one works. Yeah. And you just like, <laughs> let me go to JCPenney's online and just buy nine of them. However many colors they have. And I'll be good with that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that'll do it this week for us on the 23 personnel. We are obviously really excited about the Texas Tech football coming back. We've drink, drunken, drinking. We've had Kool-Aid. And we have flipped our predictions for the Houston game this weekend. We're both taking Texas Tech to win. Be sure to catch us on the Spotify Green Room post-game instant reaction Saturday night. We'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.